Hello, North Texas sports fans. Welcome to Sports Day Insider from the Dallas Morning News. It's your weekly update on all things Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks, Stars. Should I go on? I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. And I'm David Moore. We break down the calls, the playmakers, and all the inside scoop right here every Tuesday. And you can stay up to date on every Sports Day Insider episode and other great shows. Just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate the Dallas Morning News feed. It really does make a difference. Guys, can we get the show started? Let's do it. Here we go, sports fans. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, David. So happy to be back with you guys. I'm sure I'm sure I was missed. My absence was heartfelt on your end. Were you out last week? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, David, I didn't throw the softball notice. up there early. Let's go. Oh, Let's keep I moving. know it's, that was OK. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then our old pal, Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. David, I missed you, um, and I, I did have there was some heart issues there. There were um, there were some pangs, but they weren't. I think it they weren't pangs it, of longing. I, actually, I think it was the bad chicken parm that I had the <laughs> night before. Um, a little heartburn. Yeah, a little bit of that. But but I'm I'm glad you're back because I don't have to fake it to make it on the Cowboys this week. <laughs> yeah, I, I can do that. I've been doing that for seventeen years or so. No, now come on. It's much longer than that, David. Yeah, kind of, I know. We're kind of thank, time before thank we you cover. for that, too. I appreciate <laughs> well, you, it. Well, you covered the Cowboys before that. Just, so. just because I used to sit in those little second grade elementary school chairs where they were all formed out of one thing with like the little, the little top that came up on a bar and you would sit there and talk to Tom Landry after practice. Just because I sat in one of those and took notes talking to Tom Landry. Yeah, mean well, I, old, I don't it? think you needed to describe the seating capabilities, but once you just <laughs> said Tom Landry, I think that pretty much summed it yeah, up. That, that, that does it right there. Once again, I muddled the lead. Yeah, exactly. That's all right. Exactly. I mean, Kevin, Kevin has all his stories about when he, uh, when he interviewed Dana X Bible. <laughs> you know, Dana, he did, uh, he, he did predate me by like two or three weeks. I think it was, we just missed. <laughs> We just missed. Anyway. All right. Let's talk about what's going on now. Uh, even as we're recording this. Why on, do that? That was a good uh, segue, though. I like yeah, that. You bet. Uh, Tuesday morning, uh, there's there's cuts going on everywhere. The Turk the Turk has made his way around how did the, the NFL. Turk get, how did that get its name? I don't know. It's probably racist, and we probably shouldn't even <laughs> yeah, go I was going to say, I don't know that we want to explore yeah, where this comes from and what the yeah, origin story do it, is. But, but that's that's the that's the uh, the metaphor. The Turk going around and, uh, and getting these rookies, so um, uh, or getting these players who didn't make the team. Uh, we we know that with the Cowboys and those are those cuts are ongoing, and they may have been already decided, but they haven't been released. We do know though that um, Garrett Gilbert and uh, Ben Uncle Rico Danucci <laughs> did not make the final cut with the Cowboys. Uh, that means that at, Ben at, was unable to throw the ball over the mountain. He was, he tried on several <laughs> occasions from his back foot to throw the ball over the mountain over there, but he could not do that. Uh, he's a fascinating player. I tell you, you got to give him credit 
for having the chutzpah that he has on a football field. Uh, but, but anyway, not the kind of thing you want to be trotting out there uh, in an emergency. So here's, I think here's, by the way, just to interrupt the breaking news. Yeah. With definition. Oh, please go ahead. Really? Yeah. I, I think, uh, and we'll get right back to this, but I got on this and it, it, it appears like maybe we should start using the term that they did in the 1950s and call the Turk squeaky shoes. Squeaky shoes. Yes. Because apparently players remind, were heard the shoes squeaking in training camp halls and knew that they were being come for. Maybe it's just somebody going to the restroom. Look, this was the 50s. It was a simpler time. <laughs> Anyways. With shoes were squeaky. Poor Ben okay. DiNucci. No, I'm not calling him that. Uh, so no, no, it's just a signal on your cell phone when you get a text. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, David, let's look at this situation here. If if uh, uh, Cooper Rush looks to be the winner of this situation, he's the backup quarterback, or is that really the case? Is it possible that the Cowboys could bring in somebody else and that Cooper will just be here because he's been around for a long time, he knows the system, and it's possible someone could take his place as the backup quarterback? I, I don't want to come across in a in a bad light, but I don't know I would describe this competition as Cooper Rush being the winner. <laughs> I, I think it it landed on him. I, I don't think he mounted some furious push for the job and uh, elbowed aside his competition to clearly land the number two spot behind Dak Prescott. Uh, this was a miscalculation on the part of the Cowboys. They felt it was Garrett Gilbert all offseason. Uh, to give you more evidence of that, the three weeks Dak Prescott missed, Garrett Gilbert took all of the snaps in Dak Prescott's place as as the number one quarterback with the starters. Why would you invest that time in him only to give it to Cooper Rush at the end? This was a job that Garrett Gilbert lost that they didn't particularly think Cooper Rush would win. Uh, like I said, I think he's there by default. Ben DiNucci played his way off this roster, uh, which in my mind I think is a very clear indication that you will see a, a late-round draft pick be used on another developmental quarterback uh, in the April draft. There's no doubt about that. Um, but what do you do now? You know, there's some interesting names out there. A lot, the early surprise in, in uh, releases today is that Cam Newton, New England, has released Cam Newton. Uh, Nick Foles, who has won a Super Bowl with uh, Philadelphia in a backup role, is obviously one of the more respected backup quarterbacks out there. Um, he's available, but he makes $4 million. Cam makes more than that. Uh, you're going to get into a salary constraint uh, position here. So, you know, I Cooper, I, the Cowboys are, are looking about upgrading that position, but does it make fiscal sense? Can they do anything right now given, you know, the players they'll have on the injured list and, and uh, how they have to construct their roster? I think there's a chance another quarterback comes in here. I'm not sure if it happens right away. Yeah, I, I I'm interested in seeing that too. You know, of course, we saw last year what they had Andy Dalton, who's a who was a, a fine backup quarterback, and yes. uh, you know, and did a, and did a, as good a job as you could have hoped him to do. And what good did that did that do the Cowboys? Yeah, and to me, this is the irony of the situation. Actually, last year, it made less sense to have a proven 
backup quarterback in Andy Dalton because at that stage, Dak Prescott had never missed a start or a game in his NFL career. So you were investing money in a backup quarterback who was proven in the league for, at that time, a very durable quarterback. So then it worked out. You did need him, uh, but you didn't have him when you really needed him. You needed him in that Philly game when they started Ben DiNucci, and he had, you know, he got the concussion in the Washington game, and then he missed game because of COVID. Uh, so you didn't really have full use of Andy Dalton last year. Otherwise, I think this team would have made the playoffs. Uh, but um, so that now this year, you have your starting quarterback coming off a catastrophic injury, and Cooper Rush is going to be your backup, and you don't go with a proven guy who has, you know, again, my question is, when you look out on the landscape, and this is an opportunity missed, which Philadelphia jumped on, Philadelphia gave a conditional six-round pick, conditional for Gardner Minshew uh, from Jacksonville. He's clearly an upgrade over Gilbert or Cooper Rush or Ben DiNucci. Um, you know, I, I think that's an example of of the Cowboys kind of being a, a bit of sleep at the wheel here and uh, not getting a, addressing that roster position uh, in a way that would have been better suited than just settling on Cooper Rush. And make no mistake, Cooper Rush being on this roster right now is just them settling for the backup quarterback position. Gardner Minshew's mustache was worth a six-round <laughs> draft pick. I agree. No question. You know, that that yeah, and you're absolutely right. That just blows my mind that the Eagles got him for a conditional sixth. I don't even think he's making that much money. I think he's making no. – Well, he's money. on his rookie contract. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so, so here was a guy who started a lot of games in this league. Has played pretty well. There were people yes, who has. felt like – when even you're going to get a generational quarterback, there were people saying, well, yeah, but Gardner Minshew's not awful. Uh, and then there's even some people making the argument that he might end up being the starter in Philadelphia if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out. Yeah, I'm so, not so sure that he wouldn't be. Now, again, I, I think – and part of the reason Jacksonville moved on for him so quickly for so little, in my mind, is because he really still views himself as a starter and I can compete in this league and you're not giving me a chance – I'm not going to be happy here. And I, you can kind of read between the lines on what Urban I was saying. I think that was very much he wasn't going to be happy here in this position because we didn't give him a shot. He wants to go somewhere to compete. Um, you know, he wouldn't have been competing for a starting job here. So you factor that in. Maybe he wouldn't have been happy. But you could sell it to him like, look, this is a one-year deal. Uh, you know, Dak is coming off a significant injury. Who's to say he's going to make it through all season? Even if you only get a couple of games, we promise you, we'll we'll move you on. We'll put you in a good light. You get to study under uh, uh you know Mike McCarthy and and uh, Kellen Moore, and look what they have done here. Uh, th- this is this is a win win for you. We'll move on, but we need you for this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, so that's where the situation is with the quarterbacks right now, uh, which is a very fluid uh, situation. It can change any minute. We'll see what, how that develops. Uh, David, let, give us what some of your, uh, as, as Evan likes to call them, your, your takeaways. So give us three I, takeaways from training. No, yeah, th- this is Evan sucking up to the editors because what do we get every day? Oh, do, do three takeaways on this. <laughs> do three takeaways on that. Now Evan is like buying right into it and like, well, you're shameless. You're yeah. already in good stead. You don't need to ingratiate yourself this is, anymore. This is, this is me and Mr. Suckup. But why don't we say, why don't we say this, David? Give us the three most important things we learned at training camp. In no particular order. Well, then, what's the point of three particular things? <laughs> my, that's my point exactly. But anyway, 
we'll start with, and I want to hear your thought, your guys' thoughts on this too. I'll go with one. No matter, there were some positives to come out of this training camp, but the overriding thing was the starting offense did not get enough time together because of the three weeks, not only the three weeks that Dak Prescott missed because of the, the latissimus strain coming back off a major injury, but you had Lyle Collins, you know, mispractice time with two different stingers. You had Amari Cooper not ready to go at the start of camp. You had C.D. Lamb on the COVID list at the end of camp. Uh, this is a nucleus that has been together but I don't see any scenario in which you can say it was a successful offseason or training camp offensively because they're not going to have enough time on task to be ready for the opener, and they can't do it in the limited practice time they have, and you're starting in Tampa Bay against the Super Bowl champions with an outstanding defense. I think this team is going to be slow out of the gate offensively because of that. One thing I think was a tremendous positive was this defense – look to be much farther ahead of where you anticipated it would be based on the number of personnel changes and the scheme changes. Uh, they've really seemed to buy in. Um, they're, they're tackling better. They're going to the ball. Uh, they started to get a swagger in this offseason that will carry over. One more I will say, and this is tied to the defense, is I think there was a Everyone knew Micah Parsons was a good player, but the questions were, how would you use him in this defense and how much will he be out there? It's very clear this guy may never come off the field. Uh, he's a part of so many packages they do. He brings so much versatility to this defense. Um, if he has a season of what he has showed in training camp, this guy is a, is a – is the favorite going into the season for defensive rookie of the year. He's been outstanding. You can see the change he's made in this defense and he really could lead quite a turnaround. He could be their best defensive player going into the season. Uh, it's him or Demarcus Lawrence. And uh, I'm not so sure that he's not already the best defensive player they have. We'll, we'll be able to tell, I think very early this season. You know, I think that's really important picking up on that point, because if you look at Washington, which is the Cowboys chief, competition in the division. I don't think it's, it's a two team race. I think the giants and the Eagles are both out uh, of this, the race this season. And it's because of Washington's defense and their front seven. And, and in particular, Chase Young, who I think is going to end up being one of the top five players in the league within, if not this year, within the next couple of years. And if the Cowboys don't have somebody to compete with that, you know, on the defensive side, uh, if, if Micah Parsons can be that, that'd be great because, uh, that their defense is so good, going to be so good, it's going to make up for the fact that their offense is not very good. Yeah. Uh, and so the Cowboys are on the opposite side of that. They're trying to do a little bit of both. I will say one more thing about the the quarterback situation, uh, and Tim Callishaw wrote about this today and ruined it for me. I was going to write about it for tomorrow. But Tim did a great job at pointing out all the quarterbacks who got into play yesterday uh, in the, or in the last uh, preseason game. Tom Brady played, Patrick Mahomes played, Across the board, quarterbacks are playing just to get a little time in, get, knock the rust off. You know, last year didn't have any training camp, I mean, or didn't have any preseason games, how much importance there is in that. Kevin Stefanski of Cleveland's uh, saying that Baker Mayfield's playing just so we can get in and out of the huddle, get up to speed, do the little things that you need to do. Those things were all imperative, uh, and they're, they're the difference to me between being a well-coached team and a team that doesn't have it together. 
Yeah, and and very quickly, just to add to that, um, practice on Saturday just before the game, the starters did go through, and you talk about time on task and defense and where they are. I can tell you the Cowboys' defense off that last practice looked very ready to start the regular season. The offense with Dak Prescott, not even close. He had a really, really bad day of practice, and he just hadn't been out there. The timing just isn't there right now. I'm just going to – I mean, my my two cents here as we we get out of this is I I think it's been a very optimistic camp defensive-wise, but the baseball guy in me – looks at the quarterback as your pitching staff. And the fact that you have not had any continuity whatsoever with the guy you are counting on to win you big games gives me great, great pause. And I think they need to go out and find themselves a veteran backup because otherwise I think this offense could disintegrate pretty quickly. Okay. A veteran backup for Evan. All right. Okay, that's going to do it for our Cowboys segment. Uh, let's talk about the Rangers now. We ate a little bit into our Rangers segment, which is fine. I think we could just eat the entire <laughs> Rangers segment, <laughs> and that would be fine, probably. Uh, but at any rate, uh, the 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 Rangers have have started. Some guys have got who made their major league debuts. Three pitchers have made their major league debuts in the last week, and all three of them went swimmingly. Uh, so, uh, Evan. Tell us what that means going forward. Is this is this going to be three fifths of the starting rotation next year? No, no, one fifth. <laughs> okay. I, no, I Thanks mean, but, but I, I, we I now move to college football. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't mean. To. Let me. The most important thing the Rangers need to develop, starting pitching wise, is a pool of talent. Um, I I don't know that individually, Glenn Otto or uh, Jake Latz or AJ Alexei is going to end up with a rotation spot at the start of the 2022 season. But I think they all have shown that they've got some poise and capability that they could at some point in time contribute. That's something this team has lacked for years is, is depth options. Um, the most impressive thing to me was the poise level for for each of these guys. Uh, Otto looked completely in command against a team that does not strike out. He was fearless in going after the strike zone. 15 of 17 first pitch strikes. Got some really bad swings. uh, And he didn't, I don't think he had a three ball count at any point in time against the Astros. Um, So that was really impressive, added with the fact that he's a Houston kid and grew up an Astros fan. You know that had to add to a little bit of of pregame nerves. Um, Alexi last night had a lot of issue with three ball counts early and, and, and had some walks. But what I thought was impressive was he found a way to settle himself down and get through five innings. Clearly the Rockies are not the Astros, but he found himself a way to get through those five innings. Uh, those are both real positive developments, but I'm not, I, I'm not, I, I think the rotation next year is going to be Dane Dunning. It's going to be at least one free agent pitcher. Um, I think Taylor Hearn right now, I, I was looking through this the other day, and I, I don't know that you have a better candidate on staff right now than, than Taylor Hearn for what will be the Rangers Pitcher of the Year award. He's, he's actually had a really good year and transformed himself into a legitimate starting rotation contender. All of this said, Otto didn't face a lineup three times. Hearn's not facing lineups three times. He did once. Um 
the same thing goes for for uh, um, Alexi last night. And you're not going to have a competitive a contending starting rotation until you're able to get your starters kind of through three into three trips against the lineup with some success. And that's what still remains to be seen. And also, look, there have been a lot of guys, I don't want to say a lot in this club's history, there have been a handful of guys who have had impressive debuts. Um, a lot of that due to teams not having much familiarity with them, uh, and, and they caught some teams by surprise. It's going to be real interesting to see. Otto uh, may get a second start against the Ashers, and it's going to be real interesting to see how the Astros approach him if he does pitch a, a second time. But as far as positive developments go for this team, short of, of of losing enough to fall behind Baltimore or Arizona in the in the standings um, and get the number one draft pick, I, I don't think that you could you could hope for a better development than what you saw from the pitchers this week because we're not going to see Josh Young in in September. You're not going to see any top top prospects in September. It's basically going to be what you've got on the field right now. You know, uh, I have to issue an apology because I think I said last week, was it the last week, the week before last, I didn't see Taylor Hearn as a starting pitcher. Uh, I thought because of the two-pitch mix that uh, uh, he seemed just like a uh, a really good reliever, uh, maybe, maybe a multiple inning reliever, a very valuable piece, no question about it, but not a starter. And now all he's done is, is shut me up since then. He's He has really pitched well. We can uh, all thank him for that. Yeah, we can all thank him for that. Uh, <laughs> that he had his best game in his last start uh, and really uh, looked – you know, the, the thing that, I, that struck me and impressed me about him was that uh, just the mental strength, it seemed like. You know, he was really calm out there and really making pitches – when he had to, he's uh, really cut down on the number of walks. That's been the big thing. Um, yeah. I still am not sure that he's that he's mixing enough of the three pitches. Um, but the fastball is is unique because he's so tall and because it comes from a weird angle that maybe it, it you know it, it does offer a level of deception that is kind of on the elite level. Um, the last two starts. He's faced lineups a third time, and he's he's at least competed, you know. Yeah, he is, and I and I think you know, I don't uh, I don't discount a little bit of his background, his, his family background on the rodeo. That's a tough life, you know, uh, and that's a you, you got to perform uh, to do that, and uh, uh, and I, I don't discount his ability, uh, his mental toughness to to make this kind of transition. So. We'll see. You know, even even C.J. Nikowski said uh, on the a broadcast the other night that, that said the same thing. You know, I, I just thought he was a reliever. I thought this was a mistake trying to do this with him because, you know, he's a good reliever. Why do you want to do this? Well, you want to do it because, A, he wants to do it. Taylor wants to be a starting pitcher. Uh, but but secondly, why not? Why not try to do this? I mean, you, you can always cobble together a bullpen. It's really hard to find a starting rotation. So if you get – if those two guys, if Dane Dunning and Taylor Hearn are, are two guys that you found this year, that's still not enough. They needed to find at least three guys uh, from this season, I think. And I they, would disagree with that. On, on starting pitchers? For next spring, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, 
I would disagree that they needed to find three guys that they absolutely count on for next season. Well, not absolutely, it, but some, I'm not absolutely counting on any of these guys. I'm not absolutely counting on Dane Dunning or, or Taylor Hearn, but they gave you a pretty good idea that they are this. There's a chance guys. to you, a chance yes. those guys can develop going into right. next year. Don't you think you need three? I mean, to think you're going to have to go out and sign three starters going into next season. That's a that's a lot. You, you, look, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be short at least in one spot in the rotation. But this team's not contending next year. It hopes to take no, a no, step I'm, forward. I'm not but, saying that either. I'm just saying that they they need to have guys that that won't embarrass you and they can get some innings, and you're not going to just kill your bullpen by June. Right. And I I think Dunning has has proven what he needs to prove. I think Taylor has given the Rangers a lot of reason to think, okay, we're going to give you a shot next year. And I think. Who's uh, the third guy? I think at this point, you know, you can't, you can't say anything other than Otto and Alexi had nice debuts. Let's see how September plays out for both those guys. But I do think it, it, again, it does lead to the idea that if you've got Otto and Alexi and next year you potentially have Cole Wynn um, and maybe even sometime towards the end of the year, Jack Leiter, and Ricky Venasco all coming back. Um, now, all of a sudden, you're starting to get a pool that goes behind the couple of, of, of free agent additions that you you hopefully make over the next two years. Yeah, there you go. Very, very quickly, I, mean, I was going to ask you, how, how much do you think Hearn, too, is kind of the, the whole thing about necessity is the mother of invention? I mean, if, if, if this team had been a little more developed in pitching, it wouldn't have even looked at something like this. But because of the position you're in, you're going, well, you know, let, let's look at it. It's not going to hurt us. It's not going to hurt him to look at it. It's something he wants to do. And then maybe you stumble across something in these situations if you're open to it that you wouldn't if you were at a different stage of your development with pitchers or, or really any position where you are as a team. Well, and you guys know my philosophy and the way I look at life, that every obstacle presents an opportunity. <laughs> Gosh. Um I, 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 about, I apologize, Kevin. I didn't know. I thought it was something about eating. I thought that was the biggest philosophy <laughs> of life is eating. <laughs> I don't, I, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, this has presented an opportunity, but I also know that I don't, I, well, I, I don't think that anybody has lobbied to start as vociferously as Taylor Hearn has since CJ Wilson did more than a decade ago. Um, and one thing the Rangers have believed in, and you can't quantify this with any analytics, but it, it certainly makes for a nice narrative, is for these guys that want to transition from relief roles or from being pegged as relievers to starters, they have to really want it. Neftali Feliz didn't necessarily really want it. Uh, he also probably didn't want a torn rotator cuff or a torn Tommy uh, ulnar collateral ligament, but that's a different story. But these two guys really want it, and Taylor is working on the things that he needs to do to be a to be a capable starter in the big leagues, and if, if if he can continue to get into a third trip through the lineup, it's not necessarily ace caliber stuff, but it's certainly serviceable. Uh, yeah, and to David's point, Adolis Garcia is the same story. If, it had, if the Rangers had been so bad, exactly. Adolis yeah. Garcia would not have been the uh, a rookie of the year candidate. So uh, so now let's move on over to talk about colleges this week. We got our college schedule opening up. Uh, which is always a fun time as well as the NFL. And uh, we see some really big games this week uh, here uh, locally. Uh, Evan, give us the, give us that schedule for uh, this weekend. By, by locally, you mean the whole Texas. country. 
Give us, give us the Texas games. I think the disparity here is you've got Alabama opening against Miami, and that's not the Ohio Miami. That's the U. You've got LSU opening against UCLA, providing LSU plays this weekend. Um, and then you've got, I think, the biggest game of the week and, and perhaps one of the biggest games of the year, Georgia and Clemson and Charlotte. So those are three really big games. Now let's go through the Texas school schedule, shall we? <laughs> Um, uh, Baylor is opening with Texas State. Uh, A&M is opening with Kent. Um, Texas Tech is opening with Houston, which Kevin, of course, is biased and says that that's a legitimate Kevin's game. all in on this that's one. That's a good game. That's and a good game. Texas wow. is opening with uh, the University of Louisiana, which, again, we'll, we'll see if that plays. But I think the disparity here, again, lets you know the state of college football. Because do you know what Georgia, Alabama, and LSU all have in common? What's that, Evan? They are anchors of the old guard of the SEC, where they know what it's like to schedule the games that they got to win. Well, I will say this. Now, at some point in, in this season, and I'm not looking at their schedules right now, these SEC teams will play horrific teams. They all play a game like in November, early November, you know, uh, that is a terrible team. But, you know, it it does speak to the fact that the SEC gets it. You know, everybody yes. else is opening with terrible games. It's, it's like – you know, I was dying to do a college game this week, and I thought, no, I'm not doing one of these games. I'm not going to go to one of these places and do this. This is ridiculous. Uh, and and so, uh, meanwhile, the SEC. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and <laughs> I won't go. I won't go to this game. No. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Listen, don't listen. I did a high school game last Friday. Okay, I did Dunker Duncanville. Dunkerville. 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 It was, Dunkerville. And it was Dunkerville. Let me tell you, they got dunkered by modern day. There's 45 no three or something. Well, there are no Bishop yeah. Sycamore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How about we'll be playing here if you want to see him soon. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? We're not sure who's going to be playing for Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> no. The team that apparently fabricated its lineup to ESPN so they could get on national television. Look, you like that. You're right, Kevin. Tell me I mean, how we got this podcast, but go ahead. Yeah. Every school is going to play some terrible non-conference team during the course of the year. They just are. They're going to the, – the, but it's, it's not the presence of the crud schools on a schedule. It's the presence of saying we've got to play a couple games outside the conference that are that are either legitimate rivalries or, you know, national – teams of national prominence and the sec has gotten it over the last 20 years good, good lord knows georgia's georgia's non-conference schedule used to be safe for georgia tech it was bad everybody's um, was everybody's was but the sec the modern sec has gotten it and, and and they understand that well and again from a from a perception standpoint and a relevant standpoint when all of these other big schools are scheduling Look, it's their preseason games. It's their equivalent of NFL preseason games and what most schools, big schools, do early. The SEC is going, well, wait, let's mix ours in later because now this is like the soft opening to college football. Let's jump out, and everyone's talking about our matchups early, which gives our conference more relevance. So they're talking about us from start to finish. Why should we just concede 
the first two weeks of the season because we don't play. Why don't we have people talking about us the first two weeks of the season, then slip in these games the rest of the way? It makes perfect sense for how to market a league. It makes perfect sense to keep you relevant and ahead of the game. And that's what the SEC has done at every step along the way for decades. And not to mention, as the polls are concerned too, right? If you lose to Clemson early and then run the table, you're in good shape. You lose to Clemson in week eight, the loss is still not going to be a traumatic loss, but it may drop you just enough in the polls where it's going to have an impact on on how you end up with the committee. Yeah, there's no question about that. You, you, you by playing the good teams early, you you can either a make a statement or you just recover from it. It's not it's not a big deal. That happens all the time uh, in college football. And so so next week, you know, uh, I, I will be at the Texas Arkansas game. That's a great old rivalry. Uh, that's a that's a school Arkansas that had no problem at all with the prospect of Texas coming to the SEC. They were dying to get their old rival back on a yearly basis, uh, as opposed to Texas A&M, which felt like, oh, my gosh, we just ran away from you guys. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say ran away. We just avoided you guys, and, and now we're going to have to deal with you again. But you're clearly going to that game because it's a big game. It has nothing to do with the state of Arkansas or any connections that you – may or may not have had with the state. I do not have a daughter on the Palm Squad anymore at Arkansas. Or your desire for Herman's ribs. None of that. You know, Herman, I don't eat Herman's ribs. I'm there for the garlic sauce only. Uh, that is the only reason to eat at Herman's is because of the garlic sauce. It's fabulous. You See, here, here goes Kevin with all of his Fayetteville talk. You break See? some back? Well, Did you bring right. some back for us? I have in the past. I'll bring some back this time. I'll will tell you? you what, I will. I'll bring some great. back for you. It's great stuff. Love good uh, listen, here's here's the thing about that, though. But but it's, to David's point, it's too late next week. Next week, everybody's playing somebody that's mm-hmm. pretty decent. But you, you needed to play somebody this week who was good so they could get you in and you would and people would be talking about your team. I, I would moderately disagree with that. I mean, I think you get some more notoriety for those for those kickoff classics like like Georgia and Clemson is playing. I think that's a that's a Chick Fil A or somebody kickoff classic. But I think if you're playing a non conference game within the in the first two weeks, you know, after Saturday, that Georgia Clemson game and the Alabama Miami game will fade, and then it will be the next big the next big game. I'm still not Did sure. Did we just make this argument about what a good idea this was? It is know. a good idea, but I mean, I think as long as you're playing them early, the first couple of weeks, it's good. I'm just not so sure that Texas playing Arkansas is of the same stature as these other teams playing top 20 programs. No, it's not. Uh, but uh, because here's the thing, that's going to be a good game next week and going to be a good test for Texas because Arkansas is a good is a, is a become a good team. Sam Pittman – did a fabulous job for Arkansas last year. I, I, you know, I didn't even hardly know who Sam Pittman was. And where did they he, get him from? Uh, he'd been an offensive line coach forever, and had never been a head coach at a major college level. Uh, he'd been an offensive line coach at Arkansas. What happened was that some of his former players petitioned the athletic director to say, "Hey, you really need to to hire this guy." And yeah, but really where was he guy. working before they hired him? Uh, I believe he was, I'm, I'm not sure. Was he at Georgia? There you go. I figured there must be some kind of Georgia connection there. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's, uh, l- let's look here. What we think, uh, is going to happen this year in the big 12. Is this the year that uh, Oklahoma finally gets deposed at, uh, from the top of the big 12? 
or do they just continue this? Ryan, who? Well, I th- I, that's what I'm asking. Who's your Who's your candidates to do that? Is, is can Iowa None. State do it? Iowa no. State beat Oklahoma last year. Oh, okay. So they're going to do it two years in a row. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think you know. Well, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think this, the, the, here's the thing that Oklahoma has going for them. Uh, a, Lincoln Riley. Uh, B, uh, they're, they're finally playing defense the way that Lincoln has always wanted them to play. C, Spencer Rattler, uh, who is being considered a, an early Heisman candidate. Uh, so, some say a Patrick Mahomes starter kit. Uh, a, a guy very talented. Yeah, I, I don't see anybody uh, in the Big 12 displacing Oklahoma this year. So if we think that Oklahoma is going to win it all this year in the Big 12, do we think A&M, which starts out the season ranked sixth in the country in the AP poll, do we think that A&M can make a push for the CFP this year? Yes. I think they're on the periphery. But yes, I I think they they should be expected to challenge for that this year. I, I think everything he's done about building the program there has gotten it to this point, and that should be the expectation. I think so. That my one concern for for Jimbo Fisher and A and M is uh, the quarterback. You know, he's had yeah. Kellen Mond for four years, uh, or, or the A and M's had Kellen Mond for four years, and and uh, he did a really good job. Um, and now they're going to have to decide how they can uh, get that situation done. But that that puts them even with a lot of other schools. There are not a lot of great quarterbacks coming back in college football this year. We'll find out some some new ones, obviously, in the, in the coming weeks. But at this moment. Uh, not a lot. So that's what makes Oklahoma a favorite uh, going in because they do have that. Here's the thing going for A&M. They have Alabama at home this year as opposed to Tuscaloosa. Here's the thing going against A&M, and it's a lot of things. It is Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico, and Prairie View. That's, hey, listen, that's a, that's a murderer's row right there, pal. Yeah, it's a murderer's row for your for your CFP chances. I mean, there's their strength of schedule is is going to be really poor. Yeah, it is. You know, right. and they they don't have they don't they don't play any powerhouses on the east in their SEC games. They don't play any. They don't play Georgia, Florida, or Tennessee in their SEC East games. I think that their schedule is really going to hurt them. Now, if they beat Alabama, that probably trumps everything. That trumps everything. It certainly does. They've done that before, too. A guy named Johnny Manziel, uh, as I recall. Can I change my answer in light of the information that Evan just gave us? No, no I don't. I do not think they will play the way. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to stick with that. You know, way to go. It's it it almost as quick as your Mia Culper on Taylor Hearn. Taylor Hearn. Well, uh, I gave you a whole week on that. <laughs> David didn't even well, last I five you, minutes. I, I, gave, I gave you half a second. David, well, oh, well, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I changed my mind. On second thought. Yeah. All right. On so second thought, that this should be the last time we ever do <laughs> probably this should. podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for our podcast this week. Next week, we'll, we'll start with David's three takeaways from this oh, podcast. <laughs> Uh, All right, boys, I got to go. I've got a very important day. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. (laughs) Evan needs to cut this off. We'll see you. All right, see y'all.